everybody. How are we all doing? I'm Michael. I'm joined by Alex, as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Fallen Through Potholes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And we're here with part two of our series on Halo. Alex, uh, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling uh, after getting done with uh, the first part just five minutes ago? I, f- I feel good. You know, like, like we sort of agree on, first two Halos are classics, mm-hmm. very good games, a lot of fun. Indeed, indeed. And uh, by the time this episode comes out, Halo Infinite will have already been out, and I'm sure will either have wowed us or disappointed us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I really probably should have done this, uh, this a little bit before I spoiled it and mentioned that we were literally doing this five minutes after the first part. But uh, what was your favorite plot point in, in Halo Infinite? Oh, uh, I really like when it turned out that uh, the Brutes created artificial intelligence. Mm. Yeah, that part was pretty crazy. I think the craziest thing for me was the ending when the Arbiter blew up Master Chief on a boat and then the boat sank. Nobody's going to get yeah. that reference, but uh, that was a reference to the end of of Saints Row, the first Saints Row. Ah. Uh. Yes, right. when the okay. Keith David character there killed the main player character on the boat, and that's how the game ends. That's that's pretty rad. It is pretty rad. <laughs> it uh, is especially rad considering in Saints Row 4, Keith David is just a character as mm-hmm. himself. He is. He is. <laughs> and he's so great. And he's still voicing Julius as well, who's also back <laughs> as a memory. <laughs> oh, man, what a good game. Oh, Saints, love Saints Row. I love Saints Row so much. I'm so excited about that reboot. Oh, boy. But yeah, we're going to be uh, talking about Halo 3 through 5 and also very briefly talk about Halo Wars because they're going to force us to. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we just go ahead and jump on in there? So Halo 3, hell of a game, as we kind of talked about last podcast. Uh, both Alex and I do like this game an awful lot. Yes. It was kind of a mess when it went through development. Now, for the next few parts, I am going to be relying on a very, very good article up on Waypoint called The Complete Untold History of Halo. Uh, That's basically a verbal history talking to the various developers of the series, like really major players like Marty O'Donnell and whatnot. Mm. And from the sounds of it, the story development for this game, if not the development in general was kind of a mess. Just to give you a few highlights, Jason Jones, the project lead, went on sabbatical. He was like so totally done with Halo after Halo 2 that Mm. no one was sure when he'd be back. (laughs) And in fact, he would actually never come back for any of the Halo games. I think like he would chime in for a few things here and there, but he would not be back at Bungie full time until Destiny rolled around. That's how done he was. It was what's like really sad about it is there was an anecdote in there about how like team members like created like a cardboard cutout of him and just set oh. it up in the office. Wow. <laughs> Which was like, oh my God. Eesh. Yeah. So like other team members had to like step up to lead and like share their ideas for what a Halo 3 would be. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of them didn't agree. And they disagreed to such a point that. One of the story writers, uh, Joseph Staten, one of the main, like the main two writers for the games, right, took off for a sabbatical as well. <laughs> Oof, kind 
have a problem when you need a conclusion and it isn't written down already. Yeah. Probably my favorite thing of them all that was about Marty, Marty O'Donnell. And this is a mm. direct quote from him. He, uh, he's, for those of you who don't know, the lead composer of Bungie, or was at one point, I guess would be right. the more accurate thing to say. Yeah. For reasons we will just not get into here. Yeah. He apparently had just seen the movie Serenity and immediately was like <laughs> taken. This is directly from him too. He's like taken with how major characters just suddenly die in a movie. So he came back to the team writing the game was like, hey, people need to die. Like he literally oh wrote down God. what characters needed to die, gave it to the team and said, figure it out. Wow. Which is okay. hilarious to me. Yeah, that's mm, <laughs> that's a direction you can go. It is. It is. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of characters who sort of die out of left field, there's this kind of a reason. Okay, yeah. I mean, Serenity did that once and it worked, but mm -hmm. sure, just do it a whole bunch of times that don't, I guess. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I just also love the idea, because you see this crop up in video games every once in a while. Mm. Uh, somebody seeing a movie or reading a comic and seeing a cool thing and being like, you guys need to do that. Right. Yeah. With no context to how it works in the overall story. I I no. love it when that happens. So yeah, this I mean, there there have been sorry, there have been entire video games built around like, oh, that thing's really cool. What if we did that thing mm -hmm. and that's the game? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. I think one of my favorites is for anyone familiar with Monolith Software of No One Lives Forever and oh, Fear and uh, Shadows of Mordor fame. Uh, they have an old first-person shooter called Shogo mm -hmm. or Shogi Mobile Armor Division, which is basically just, hey, we really like anime. Hmm. What if we made a game that was anime? <laughs> Turns out it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That, that does often happen in video games where it's just like we have one really good idea that we saw from somewhere else. Yeah. Let's extrapolate from there. And yeah, sometimes it works out. But yeah, it, overall, the development of Halo 3 was a mess. And it was such a mess that Bungie in general was just sort of done after this. Yeah. And we'll kind of go into detail exactly what sort of split happened. But the seeds were going to be planted with this game. And with that, how about we start talking about the plot of Halo 3? So when we last left off... Master Chief was on his way to Earth to finish the fight as Cortana is left behind on the Covenant capital, the space base High Charity. All the while, the, port the portrait, the Prophet of Truth, is leading an invasion of Earth. Now, this game clearly already wants to start us off with deepening the relationship between Cortana and Master Chief. Because mm. the game starts with what sounds like Cortana, talking about mm. how Master Chief was the one she picked out of all the Spartans, and how he is special, as we see him hurtle through the atmosphere on fire and Why? slam into the earth. Well, if you read the Halo 3 prequel <laughs> comic that ran from... I partially did. Yeah, Mar published by Marvel. Uh, that ran from 2007 to 2009, despite only being four issues. <laughs> you find God, that... that's so indicative. Right? <laughs> yeah, he apparently tried to board, like... The Prophet of Truth's ship and almost killed him, but then failed to do so. And then he had to escape. And he just basically jumped out of the ship on a piece of space debris and just jumped into Earth's atmosphere. Okay. Um, This is going to be a reoccurring thing, by the way. Mm hmm. And the good news is he landed completely unharmed. 
He lands in East Africa and is immediately picked up by Sergeant Johnson and his team. Also, the Arbiter is here, and they are immediately at odds with each other for about five seconds, and then they're going to become the best murder buddies ever. Yep. You see, Halo 3 was built from the ground up for four-player co-op in mind. Mm-hmm. And it, it works. It's, as somebody who uh, did that with, with Alex and a couple of mutual friends of ours, yep. uh, it was a blast. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. It also introduces you to two new elite characters who do have backstories, but we're not going to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hilarious that they're there. They are technically their own distinct characters. Yep. So, yeah. The Chief, the Arbiter, and Johnson all fight their way to a secret underground base staffed by both humans and elites. So they now have a truce, given the betrayal of the, by Truth uh, and the Bruths, and they are both pretty dedicated to being the hell out of the Covenant. This base is the central point of resistance for humanity, which at this point is basically shattered and defeated by the invading Covenant forces. We also find out that these resistance forces are being led by Miranda Keys. Through a series of events, we find out that Truth went to the city of New Mombasa, and he basically dug a giant hole in order to find the Ark. What he found instead was like a giant forerunner ruin that apparently was the key to finding it. We also find out the Covenant are about to attack at any moment. So the Master Chief, Arbiter, and Johnson all decide to go pursue Truth, while Miranda gives the order for everyone to retreat, while maybe the worst line in the entire series is uttered. Yeah, it's so bad. It's... Oh, it is. It's so bad. A soldier asks Miranda for a rallying point, and where should they go? And Miranda says, To war! And that soldier is very nice. He doesn't pipe up to be like, uh, ma'am, I'm sorry, but that is not a valid rally point. We need to actually know where to go. After <laughs> delivering this line, Miranda then cocks a gun and walks off camera, only for gameplay to start and her to walk back into the control room and give more detailed instructions. Oh, yeah, that actually does totally happen. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so Oh, man. I love it. I love it. So, during all this, and throughout the game, Master Chief is getting weird visions of Cortana. Usually lying in pain but suggestive poses while talking cryptically about stuff like, you've been called upon to serve, and whatnot. And is also occasionally interrupted by the Gravemind as well, leader of the Flood, right. saying essentially like, we're all gonna eat you all, ah... Either way, Master Chief is not particularly disturbed, nor have much feelings about anything, really. <laughs> and he reaches a now-flattened new Mombasa. There, we see a Forerunner ship that is surrounded by a Covenant fleet. Chief and Arbiter immediately clear the area of anti-air defenses, and the rest of the UNSC fleet, which has to consist of, like, two and a half ships at this point, right. alongside elite ships, immediately bomb the area in an attempt to stop whatever is happening with that Forerunner ship. Unfortunately, it's kind of useless, and the Forerunner ship activates an energy portal and flies into it. Shortly after, a Covenant ship comes out of nowhere and crashes into the ground, unleashing the Flood onto Earth. So Chief fights his way onto the ship and recovers an artifact containing a message for Cortana, and escapes onto an elite ship while the rest of the fleet glasses East Africa. So, bye Africa. Yep, that's done. <clears throat> So, aboard the Elite ship, we run into our good buddy 343 Guilty Spark, who's working with the Elites to stop the Flood. He repairs Cortana's message, and we learn the Flood are on their way to Earth aboard High Charity, 
but that the Ark contains the key to defeating the Flood without using the Halo. So, it's going to become... Just remember I want, that point. I want everyone to hold on to that point. Hold on to that point. That's, that's more or less a direct quote, too. She says, without yeah. using the Halo. So, Master Chief Johnson, the Arbiter, and a small elite fleet decides to pursue truth through the portal. Upon arrival near the center of the Milky Way, we see the Ark, which... Looks like the Halo rings, except it's more in the shape of a flower, like kind of like a dandelion almost. Mm-hmm. High Charity also shows up and slams into the Ark as well. So, how she- did High Charity know where the Ark was? Excellent question. Just us. <laughs> <laughs> While Chief, the Arbiter, and Johnson all go down to the surface, the elites engage the Covenant forces to give them cover. Here we do get probably our best line in the series. Mm. Where um, the elite ship master is told that we're at, like we're outnumbered three to one, he's like that it's a fair fight. <laughs> it's like yeah, man. Yeah, our <laughs> oh, shipmaster is so great. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So they all split up to find a control room, and almost immediately Johnson gets captured and is brought before Truth. He immediately tries to goad his captors into killing him, but the prophet mm-hmm. isn't falling for it since he knows he needs a human to fire the ring. Miranda. Hearing that Johnson has been captured, takes a dropship and just crashes into the room where everyone is <laughs> and starts shooting. So Johnson pleads, pleads with Miranda to kill him and then herself, but she's just not quite able to do it, and it gets an energy sword in her back for the tr- her troubles. So Miranda is dead, and Johnson is forced to activate the arc. So chief, so pointless scene. Pointless scene. That's the old Marty O'Donnell. Hey, somebody needs to die, and he went. Yep. Uh, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> Spun the wheel, and that's where it landed on. So, yep. So, Chief and the Arbiter reach the control room and are confronted by the Flood, whom the Grave Mind speaks through. He's immediately like, uh, hey, they're about to activate the rings. Uh, how about I stop you? How about I help you stop that from happening? And so, with the help of the Flood, they're able to break into the control room, kill all the Covenant, rescue Johnson, and capture Truth, who's like now at this point being infected by the Flood. Mm hmm. While Chief disables the Ark, the Arbiter holds a now-mutating Truth at sword point, while Truth yells about how he's the voice of Truth of the Covenant. And Arbiter simply says, so you must be silence, and stabs him. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's a, it's a good scene. It's followed up by the Arbiter and Chief basically just taking a second to awkwardly stand around. <laughs> and then the Gravemind's tentacles rise up, and he basically goes, ha ha, you fools, time to betray you. Yeah. So Johnson escapes in the dropship that Miranda flew in while Arbiter and Chief fall down a service tunnel. Chief then sees Cortana walking into a room and follows her and sees that there's like a control panel that once he hits causes the original halo ring to be reformed and rise out of the arc. So it turns out the arc is capable of making halo rings. Mm -hmm. Chief, knowing that they are far away from Earth, decides that activating this ring would be a good idea, because they're far enough away from Earth and anything else, it would then just murder all the Flood that are here, including Gravemind, thus saving the day. Why would it do that? It just would. The Halos don't kill the Flood. It kills their food. It does now. (laughs) That was the whole point. That was the whole point of everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's at this point that they fall on the idea that the Halo rings kill all organic life and technically the Flood are organic, but yeah. <laughs> also, hey, you're going to find the thing you need on the Ark to take out the Flood without using the ring. And she's like, what if we use the ring? <laughs> she meant the other rings, the bad rings. The bad rings, exactly. We're going to use the good ring. So Guilty Sparks here and... When he hears this plan, he is totally down with this. He's like, hell, hell yeah, I'm going to go prepare Fire the, the ring. rings. So they all go aboard High Charity because they need to get the index. And Cortana still has the index. And in a level that does really sucks, they murder yeah. a bunch of Flood and retrieve Cortana. They have a nice heartfelt reunion where Chief tells Cortana he always keeps his promises. And Cortana's like, I know how to pick him. Being a little flippant about that, but I, once again, I really do like Cortana and Chief's interplay. Yeah, it's good. So, reunited, Chief shoots his way out of there, and then immediately flies to the new Halo and crashes into it, because yeah, Chief knows how to do. fly vehicles, but he always crashes them everywhere. It's He's the, he's the Jonathan Joestar of, yeah. of video game characters. It's great. Landings are hard. Landings are hard. He was never taught that. So all three, like, and like Johnson like lands like a UNSC frigate near there as well. Mm-hmm. So all three converge on it, and Johnson goes to activate the ring. Guilty Spark, pleased by this, announces the ring will be ready to fire in a few days. Johnson says, uh, don't have time for that. We're firing it now. And Guilty Spark is like, no, no, if you do that, the halo is going to explode, and it's close enough that's going to destroy the arc. And Sergeant Johnson literally just says, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, Spark uh, does. He does deal with it. And by dealing with it, I mean he kills Johnson. So the last boss of the trilogy is against a very tiny orb. (laughs) Yeah. And Chief blows up said orb. Yeah. Which, again, the halo exploding didn't do that, but a shoulder-mounted laser cannon does. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... You know, do with that what you will. Or does it? Well, yeah, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But um, for now, Guilty Spark is dead. <laughs> so before Johnson completely keels over and dies, he tells Chief to never let Cortana go. <laughs> so the ring is activated, kills the flood, and of course starts to explode. Right. Chief and Arbiter immediately jump into a jeep and make their way to the UNSC frigate forward unto dawn. In a Really, really rad final mission. Yeah. As the ship takes off, Chief and Cortana are forced into the cargo bay while Arbiter pilots it through the portal. However, only half the ship makes it. The portal closes on half of it and leaves part of it behind. On Earth, Lord Hood holds a memorial, one that the Arbiter attends. He tells the Arbiter that while he can't forgive him or his people, he's thankful that he could be with the Chief in his final moments. With that, the war is over, and the Arbiter now leads the elites. In deep space, though, we see that Master Chief and Cortana have survived, but with no way to get home. Cortana drops a distress beacon, but tells Chief it'll likely be years before they're found. Chief then gets into a stasis pod and tells Cortana to wake him when he's needed. And that's the end of Halo 3. So did the Gravemind leave Delta Halo? Uh, yeah, it seems to be the implication that he ended up, like, getting on board of High Charity. 
And in how from, and I, also I, why? Yeah, he wanted to be where the action is, man. <laughs> like, oh, the arc. I gotta see hmm. this. Yeah, uh, they, they needed a way to wrap things up. Yeah. And they decided that, I don't know, <laughs> he's gonna... High Charity, which was going to Earth, is actually going to be going to the arc now, and Gravemind's there, coincidentally. Isn't that nice? I think that's nice. That's that's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah. With that, you have a really good trilogy of games that are over, and honestly, wrapped up pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, there's obviously a sequel hook, like, oh yeah, wake me when I'm needed, aka right. when Microsoft needs that money. Okay, so we also need to touch upon the data consoles, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's so I, I don't know how much you you know about the data consoles, but basically around the arc, there are in two of the missions, mm -hmm. there are a number of inert objects. They're, they're literally just data terminals scattered throughout the levels that you can find and activate. And mm -hmm. they are maybe the worst implemented in-game method of storytelling I ever I've ever seen. Oh yes. Because they tell two stories by which each one of them has two messages, the first of which just disappears before you can finish reading it. Ah oh, yes. Arbitrarily. And basically they are cataloging the story of the final days of the war between the Forerunners and the Flood. During the first invasion. Um, and the first tells the story of this this AI that was created by the Forerunners to coordinate the defense against the Flood. Mm -hmm. um, and that AI basically got infected, question mark, by the first grave mind and essentially turned rampant. Um, it basically went insane and turned against its creators. Mm -hmm. So they made a second AI to combat the first AI and also the grave mind. Mm -hmm. And it is basically the defense of the arc by the second AI against the combined forces of the first. And this is this massive, untellable space battle that took place. Mm -hmm. The second story is takes place between two... It's basically the message logs told between two forerunners um the i want to say the librarian who was one of the scientists in charge of doing something that they only briefly touched on which was basically going out to all of the planets the no planets in the known galaxy that contained life and cataloging their dna mm -hmm. uh for after the halos were fired and that life was wiped out. Mm. And the second was the didact who was their professional partner and implied, I believe romantic partner. Yeah. Uh, who was to stay behind on the arc and basically fire the halos. And when the didact did this, all the forerunners would be wiped out as well as all life in the galaxy of a certain threshold of evolution capable of supporting the flood including the librarian who mm. basically was heavily implied to have had her final resting place and her final assignment on earth yeah and she talks about she talks about two important things one of which is i'm gonna stay here 
and I'm going to bury our findings in the shadow of what she called like the Sentinel or something, but it basically was referring to a gigantic mountain, which was implied to be Kilimanjaro. Mm-hmm. Hence the the map to the Ark is in East Africa. Yeah. And the other is there is this primitive species here um, that will survive the firing because uh, they have not reached a sufficient level of evolution yet. Um, but she's like, oh, you should see them. They're so fascinating. Like the course of their evolution is clearly one of great things. Hmm. And so, and then eventually the didact, the, the AI was able to stave off the forces of the flood long enough for the didact to fire the arc and hmm. fire all the halo rings and complete the mission. Mm-hmm. And so that is the story of the didact and the librarian and of the librarian's encounter with early humanity. That is in Halo 3. Yep. That is what Bungie wrote. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for that to be contradicted in Halo 4? Absolutely. Let's talk about fucking Halo 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about the librarian didact in that game. Uh but before we get into that, we got to talk about a little, little company called 343 Industries. So with the successful release of Halo 3, the franchise was seemingly at an end. The mm-hmm. fight had been finished, and while the possibility of a sequel was certainly teased, that didn't mean it had to happen. And if it did, there were a lot of questions as to where you'd even go from there. One company that seemed to be disinterested in this was Bungie, the creator yep. and developer of the Halo games. In 2007, they seemed rather done with anything Halo-related and wanted to become an independent company. In a surprise move, Microsoft agreed and returned for retaining the rights to Halo IP and a small stake in Bungie. Bungie could essentially do what it wanted. Now, this didn't mean that Bungie immediately stopped making Halo games and over the next three years would release Halo ODST and Halo Reach, both to critical acclaim, but Microsoft did see the writing on the wall. The future of Halo wasn't going to be written by Bungie. So in 2007, with a few ex-employees from Bungie, Microsoft created 343 Industries for the sole purpose of making new Halo games. 343, of course, being named after 343 Guilty Spark. And a move that's going to be... Well, Microsoft does this a lot with spin-off companies, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. The, the Coalition, who develops Gears of War games. Oh, boy. Which, oh, that is its own episode, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Needless to say, 343 has some big shoes to fill, and a real problem of not having a solid lead to go off of for a sequel, other than Master Chief is out there somewhere. So Microsoft and 343 decided to go big and really just turn the cranks on the Halo multimedia project. Two novels, two short films, including a YouTube-exclusive anthology, multiple attempts at a movie, and so many spin-off games such as Spartan Salt and Halo Wars were all created and all set up what would be a new trilogy of games that would explore the Forerunners in greater detail and also deepen and explore the relationship between Master Chief and Cortana. However, with this approach, a problem sort of arises. There is now an even greater expectation to engage with the extra source material in order to know what's going on in Halo. 
the source material which, again, Bungie has heretofore staunchly refused to acknowledge and even outright contradicted out of what appears to be spite. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now, these games that would be released, um, well, the games that we're going to be talking about, Halo 4 and 5, were relatively well-received, albeit not quite to the same level as the Bungie-developed titles. Mm. So the gameplay received a pretty good reception, with, and some aspects of the story were as well, with many praising how the relationship between Chief and Cortana was handled. That being said, everything else about the plot didn't quite receive the same amount of praise, with both the endings of Halo 4 and 5 being cited by reviewers as simply not making much sense. <laughs> yeah... I suspect this is in large part to all the supplemental material that Halo 4 and 5 pulled from that contributed to this problem. There is someone out there, though, who did look into all this information and compile it. I did. And let's see if we, together we can make sense of Halo 4 and Halo 5 Guardians. And just to give you an example of just how much heavier they went into the story aspect of this, um, total like cutscene length, I think, of Halo 3 is up to like 30 minutes. Uh, the cutscenes I looked up for Halo 4 was an hour and 30. Yeah, that sounds right. And to be fair, game looks good. Those cutscenes look good. Yeah, they oh do. Oh my god, they hold up. It's it's high production quality, no mm -hmm. question. So, we're, we're going to be playing a really fun game here for the first bit of this where uh, <laughs> we're going to be uh, we're going to be matching what little bits and pieces of uh, extraneous uh, novels and other material that the games pull from <laughs> because they expect you to know a lot let me assure you yep so starting in halo 4 it opens us up in an interrogation room where dr halsey now a prisoner is being questioned by somebody as to why she started the spartan 2 program in the first place so you're probably wondering why is she there why is she under arrest is it because of the war crimes the answer mm -hmm. is no She's under arrest because, according to the book Ghost of Onyx, she kidnapped uh -huh. a Spartan and stole a bunch of Forerunner artifacts. Hmm. Why? Don't know. Anyways. Well, to keep it from the Covenant, I think, is the reason why. But still. Right. With a reason that is about to become hilarious. Mm-hmm. So the questioning takes a bit more of a personal turn as they start to probe into why the Master Chief was so effective. And, like, the interview... Like, the interrogator straight up is like, was it because he was a broken person and you intentionally made him that way? And Halsey's like, no, I care about him and whatnot. So we don't get so, much... Go ahead. Sorry, I just want to touch on... Um, there, we went through a lot of backstory to the Halo universe about, you know, expanding into the stars in the Civil War and, like, kind of sort of fascist government with shady uh black ops dealings and stuff and like there's just mm -hmm. a lot of moral gray in the powers that be prior to the covenant arriving yeah and it should be very much pointed out that bungie really didn't make any of that because bungie doesn't do moral gray no they don't they're kind of like humanity is great and soldiers are awesome and go fight the war master chief mm-hmm 343 very much wanted to lean into, like, first the books wanted to sort of start exploring the moral gray of, hey, what if this was what the, all that setup was about? Yeah. And then when 343 took over and started leaning into the extended universe, they also leaned into that 
moral gray. Mm-hmm. The problem is they're not exceptionally good at it. Yeah, not only are they not exceptionally good at it, it's just like a lot of the morally gray stuff that they pull from is like all this. Yeah, it's all this extraneous material. And yeah, and it's stuff that like, OK, well, wait, why is Halsey here? Why is she under arrest? Is there going to be any explanation for this in the game? The answer is no, absolutely no. not. Like when she's inevitably freed and is working with the UNSC again, is that going to be explained? No, of course it's not. They expect you to read the novels and read all the other source, all the other material in order to kind of figure that out for yourself. Right. Which instead just makes a story that seems like a disjointed mess. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's too bad because I don't think exploring like a more morally gray UNSC is a bad thing at all. And I think no. that's been done in, you know, many different series like Mobile Suit Gundam did like a really good job about that mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, exploring like, you know, earth federation and being like no actually maybe there's some aspects about this that are problematic yeah and for halo it's that's right for it especially for the unsc literally just being the u.s marines and yeah. how like the first few games are us being very hoorah which was really in line with how we felt about the military and our place in the world for the first few years of the war on terror and then like by the time these games came out that luster had fallen very significantly right like there's definitely room for it, but like you said, they just don't really execute on it well. Yeah. So that whole scene happens, and we don't get much more than that before we come back to the Ford unto Dawn as it flows through space. It's now been four years or so, and Cortana, sensing that it's been boarded by an unknown force, activates the Master Chief to deal with that threat. Upon his awakening, he finds out his boarders are a group of Covenant led by an elite called the Jilmadama covenant which is more or less just a crazy religious sect trying to rebuild what the covenant once was after fighting some of these covenant off chief is able to look out into space and sees that they have arrived at a shield world called a requiem basically it's just a metal planet (laughs) it's a forerunner planet that's now surrounded by covenant ships it's at this point that the dawn gets caught in the planet's gravity well which is just super strong and falls Mm -hmm. down to it Chief decides the only thing he could do to survive is to jump out of the dawn and just fall into the planet, <laughs> catching on fire and slamming into it. He's fine, though. He's of course he is. Fine. Which makes you wonder, how can bullets even stop this man? I don't know. <laughs> but Cortana is now, like, spouting some, like, random gibberish, and she's been kind of doing that on and off ever since Chief woke up. So she tries to reassure Chief that she's fine, but he knows something is up and presses her. She reluctantly tells him it's been more than seven years. The average lifespan of an AI before starts to deteriorate in what's called rampancy, or essentially thinking herself to death. If this seems out of place and shoot Horde in, well, let me assure you, it is, and also isn't. It's referenced in a 2003 novel, Halo First Strike. Yeah. (laughs) Regardless, Chief is very concerned, and immediately hits up on the idea that if they can find Halsey, she can repair her. Cortana doesn't confirm this is impossible, but it's kind of written on her face. And she tells him not to give a girl a promise he can't keep. So I do overall like Cortana and Chief's interactions in here, particularly because Chief actually becomes more of a character because of all yes. this, mm-hmm. uh, which previously he was not. No. I do want to I do want to touch on Cortana's design in this game. Yeah. And Cortana's evolution of her design. So, Oh, boy. 
it's because it's hilarious. It's a very power girl sort of. We're just gonna keep pushing things to see if anybody notices, and then go wait, wait, nobody noticed. So, <laughs> Cordon when she's first shown is like a basically a uh, a purple like information lady, like you know she's like made of like information characters and whatnot, and like how she like emos and acts is like she doesn't really move. She talks, and like if she's like looking up something, she'll look off to her right, but like it's more like clearly something like programmed it into her to give her some sort of personality, right? By the time you get to Halo 3, she's just fully able to move around and will do things like if she like feels like an overwhelming force, like put her hand on her head and be like, oh, no, I feel it and like collapse to the ground or the fake right. ground. By Halo 4, she first off, if you there were multiple times I was looking like far like she's in like far off distance. And I'm like, is she just straight up naked? <laughs> <laughs> like her features have become more and more exaggerated as every game has gone on. Yeah. To the point that she is just a comic book character. It's and it's it's just hilarious. I just love like how they just kept pushing it and pushing it. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but regardless, they need to get off this planet. And Cortana picks up a mysterious signal coming from the planet's core. So they decide to go there. As they get closer, the signal they're picking up is actually a UNSC signal from a ship called the Infinity trying to track down their distress beacon. Unfortunately, they can't respond, but Cortana reasons that if they can get to the center of the planet, they can contact them from there, because it's like the signal's being routed from the center of the planet. Okay. There's this entire time, and the entire game, really, Cortana is slowly losing it, having bouts of anger and sadness, jealousy, and also having memories that actually belong to Dr. Halsey fill her head, and at times being outright distracted and unresponsive. So... And as they were making their way to the core, they also run into a new type of enemy. A machine-like bipedal enemy called the Prometheans, whose armor can slip off their heads to reveal a screaming human-like skull. <laughs> Wonder if that'll be relevant. It's uh, Also, these things are an absolute nightmare to fight. They, mm. they are the new enemy for the game, and they're just the worst. Yeah, they're like not fun. You have to, like, shoot them in their back or something like that. Yeah, it's... something, but it's like, when you shoot them, they don't respond to it. Mm. There's no visual indication that you're doing anything to them. They just sort of tank through it all until they die, and then they drop new Promethean weapons, which are also terrible. Mm. And just not fun to use and not clear what the weapons do. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a mess. It's, oh, God. They're... But anyway, plot-wise... They're also awful. Yeah, they're also awful. And like Cortana reasons they're sort of like Sentinels, but are potentially more advanced based upon their deeper combat AI. Right. If they have a deeper combat AI, because there's going to be a reason for that. During this time, the message from the Infinity becomes clear, and both the Chief and Cortana realize that if they get any closer, they'll be caught by the planet's absurdly strong gravity well. So now it's like a race against time to prevent them from being trapped as well. So they reach the core and the source of the transmission which seems to be routed through a giant orb that's just hanging out. <laughs> and so Chief goes to controls in front of it to respond back to the Infinity, only for Cortana to realize it's a trap. So Master Chief, by touching it, the panel, has accidentally freed an ancient prisoner called the Didact, an ancient warrior from over 100,000 years ago that reveals himself to be one of the last living Forerunners. We gotta talk about the Forerunners. So... Yep, let's... Oh, God... So, if you remember, when I talked about the origins of the Covenant, they found that Dreadnought, and they realized, oh wait, the Forerunners are probably humans. 
Turns out that's not the case. Nope. It's dumber. It's dumber than that. So why exactly the humans can use the halo rings is never really explained. And honestly, it seems like this was a change that was made at some point after the first Halo. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I definitely like around the Halo 3 part, based upon you know what Alex just mentioned about the terminals and whatnot in that game. Regardless, this didact seems really upset at humanity and wants them all to die as they aren't worthy of the mantle of responsibility. And wants to, for, to return the Forerunners to prominence. The reason for that is because... It turns out humanity has been around for a long time. You remember how, like, the librarian's like, oh, I found these primitive people called humans? Yeah. That's a lie. That's the... <laughs> they weren't. They were made primitive again by the Forerunners because they used to be a galaxy-spanning empire. And they basically invaded Forerunner space one day and just started blowing with Forerunners. And they're like, whoa, what's going on here? So they fought back against them and eventually defeated them. However... They found out that humanity wasn't trying to expand. They were trying to run away from the flood. And then after that, the Forerunners were too weak to properly fight off the flood, which is why they created the Halo Rings and blew everything up. And then after that, humanity was reseeded onto Earth, their home planet. Why they decided after that, oh, I guess humanity can use the Halo Rings? Great question. Don't know. Don't know. Because mm-hmm. they're not the only race that got reseeded. The The prophets got reseeded. The elites got reseeded. But they decided right. they weren't worth it, apparently. So, yeah. It's... Okay. So, I, I have a few. I have a few thoughts. Hit me. Um, ancient humans is not a new concept to sci-fi. No. The idea that humanity was once a great race and then something happened that reduced us to a primitive state on earth and we had to begin our evolution in new that's that is a um that's a plot for a number of i want to say a number of actually fairly successful sci-fi oh yeah uh, i mean Battlestar galactica like, mm-hmm. has a bit of that um however it doesn't fit into halo no at least at least the halo that bungie made uh it doesn't make sense and it doesn't feel good it feels stupid and there's just no real reason for it other than yeah. they want to give the die they want to have to have the didactus be a villain and they need to give him a reason and so they went well what if humanity tried to murder them all at one point i guess yeah this plot would work a thousand times better if it was the elites in the humans position mm-hmm and like you, you mentioned that both the prophets and the elites did get reseeded. I don't think that actually comes up in Halo Four. I think that is later, or in a book, or um, something. It, it is in a book that was released after the release of Halo Four in two thousand eleven. Yes. So from from the standpoint of Halo Four, it's just like yeah, humanity was the equals of the Forerunner, and they fought a war. That the Forerunner ended by de-evolving humanity. Mm-hmm. And then they went, oh, wait, the Flood, oh, no. Yep, basically. And and then th- at some point, the Covenant came along and were like, grr, these humans darn them. Mm-hmm. And it it would work so much better if it was the elites who were once the equals of the Forerunner. 
but then after they were de-evolved, came to deify the Forerunners without realizing their true heritage, and grew jealous of humanity, who was this nobody race that one of the Forerunners just found and were like, these guys seem cool, they will inherit our legacy. And the elites were like, we have been worshipping you for our entire existence. What mm. the hell with these nobodies? Yeah, and it, like that that was their grudge. Yeah, it would work so much better. It really would. But unfortunately, no. Humanity, unfortunately, oh, no. Humanity, when it comes to sci-fi stories, always has to be the little special somebody. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God damn it, Mass Effect did that same crap, didn't it? They did. And by the way, as an aside, every time I would write Promethean, I would I would occasionally, occasionally write, write Prothean. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. I actually had to like control F and find all instances of it, and there were like five. Hey, did you guys know about Prometheus? He rose up humanity. Yeah. Isn't it cool that we reference Prometheus kind of? Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's very cool. Well, speaking of those uh, Prometheans, uh, so you know how they have like human skulls? Yeah. Because it turns out that. Yeah, they turn out turns out they used to be ancient humans. Right. Repurposed into like fighting machines. Right. Oh, oh, did the didact do that? Yep. Yeah, he did. How how did that go over? Um, you know, he turned him to ash and then he put him into machines. Okay, that seems intense. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. So yeah, he like beats around Master Chief for a little bit, and then he gets into his, like, dumb giant orb and flies out to find the now-crashed UNSC Infinity. Uh-huh, okay. So, Chief takes off after him, and after clearing a landing zone full of Covenant and helping the crew of Infinity fight off said Covenant, mm -hmm. we are introduced to the crew of the Infinity. The two main people here that you really need to pay attention to are Commander Thomas Lasky, the second-to-command and overall level-headed do-gooder, uh -huh. and Sarah Palmer, a Spartan Four. Which, a Spartan 4 is, what if Spartans were more ethically sourced? <laughs> Basically like, okay, you're an adult. You and can you consent be, to this. You may be asking, what's a Spartan 3 then? Because Master Chief is a Spartan 2. Spartan 3s were the dudes in Halo Reach who were, I want to say also orphans, but I can't, maybe they weren't. Oh yeah, no, they, they're literally orphans. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're orphans who were made into Spartans and were like more disposable. Right, okay, fair yeah. enough. So, um. yeah, that's cool. So we meet those two, and then we also meet the captain of the ship, the kind of freaking out and lashing out at everyone, Captain Andrew Del Rio. So during this time, the Infinity was able to, like, fire on the stupid Didac Orb and force it into retreat. So the chief tries to convince Del Rio to pursue and destroy it, because he knows what's up. He, okay. he knows what's going to happen. I'm sorry, I need to make an, another tangent here. Hmm. Because this this is part of my experience with the Halo multimedia crap. Yeah. Uh, I like Lasky and Palmer. I think mm -hmm. they're fun characters, and they're not assholes, so yeah. they're, like, easy enough to get along with. Palmer's, like, kind of an asshole, but in a fun, likable way. Yeah. Like, she's an asshole on your side for good. Um, so, Halo 4 had a prequel miniseries. Mm-hmm, they did. Called On YouTube. Forward, Forward Unto Dawn. And uh, Forward Unto Dawn was kind of cool because at that point, it was the closest we'd gotten to the promised Halo movie or TV series. Mm -hmm. It was short of the, like, live-action commercials Bungie had filmed for Halo 3 and 
uh, ODST and Reach. It, it was the most complete live action story that had been told in the Halo universe with like live action warthogs and Halo guns and all that. Mm-hmm. And so prior to playing Halo 4, um, which I didn't actually do until the Master Chief Collection came out, mm-hmm. um, I actually watched all of Horde Unto Dawn. And I liked it. It was basically like a sci-fi original level miniseries. Yeah, like decent production values. It, yeah. it seemed perfectly fine for what it is. Yeah. Um, and it, it had a decent, if Bungie-esque, pro-military story. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it told that story competently enough and it was fine. And it followed Lasky in his, er, in the early days of his military training. Mm -hmm. Um, and through him being stationed on a planet that was then hit and glassed by the Covenant. And he and his unit were saved by the Spartans and the Master Chief, although I believe he and like one other person were the only survivors. Hmm. of his unit um but it then ends cutting back to him on the infinity in which he appears to be the captain of the infinity and they receive cortana's distress signal and they go to rescue he gives the order to go and rescue master chief Hmm. now bungie has contradicted extended multimedia source material before because again they seem to actively disdain it this was not bungie this was 343 making their own game based pretty much on the extended universe and forward unto dawn was created specifically as the prologue to halo 4 mm-hmm. so when we meet captain lasky or what what is his rank he's a commander at this point Commander Lasky leading the Marines as the second in command on the Infinity, who's not in charge of the Infinity. Hmm. What the hell yeah, was I... the point of all that crap we just watched? <laughs> well, you know. The character Lasky in Halo 4 is a different freaking character than the <laughs> one that we watched in <laughs> Forward Under Dawn. Like, there's no point. It's not relevant. It's not, not even usual, the yeah. same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's more, um, it's more, it would be more relevant if he was, if, uh, if this was Halo 5. Give some right. foreshadowing, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, fair, we'll, we'll, I will delve more into that as we carry on. But for <laughs> now, I just want to sort of illuminate... I, I'm sure 343 is full of tons of talented people, and mm-hmm. I've, I realize that Halo is this massive entity in the video game space, and it is not an easy property to take over, especially in the state that Bungie left it in, which mm-hmm. is a giant mess. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I find their handling of the plot, such as it is, incompetent. I don't think there's a cleaner way to say it. They seem to change their mind on a whim. Yeah. As we'll, we'll definitely see uh, as Halo 4 and Halo 5 progress. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. But yeah, so we meet uh, we meet all these characters, and yeah, Chief is trying to convince Captain Del Rio to pursue and destroy the stupid Didac Orb. 
But he angrily tells Chief, no, our priorities get off this planet. Tassim, he's like, we need to live and fight another day. And I, of all the people, I think you would know the value of that. Which is like, uh, I don't think Chief actually does. He just, no, he's, he's very much a war machine built for suicidal heroic last stands. Yeah, he, he fell onto a planet twice and was fine. He, yeah. I don't think he even realizes he can die. Yeah. So uh, Del Rio tasked uh, Chief of destroying like a gravity generator that happens to be on the planet, which is what's causing nothing to be able to actually like leave, which he does that, no problem. But during this time, Chief and Cortana are both briefly separated and confronted by another forerunner in a data world. This forerunner, however, is friendly and calls herself the librarian. I librarian about the, the data world. Yes, welcome to the data world. We're going to be going to the data world a lot. Okay, so what does the librarian say? So the librarian basically dumps a bunch of info at once, including the whole things about how the Prometheans were once human, ancient humanity and the war that happened, and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And... She explains that the didact just wants to murder all humans for revenge. And in order to do that, he needs to get a hold of the ancient artifact called the Composer. And that it's up to Chief to stop them. So, after all of the... Oh, good. Why is it up to Chief to stop them? Oh, because he's the best and most special human. And the librarian <sighs> advances his evolution. Oh, it's so stupid. It is, and you're probably wondering, well, how does she advance his evolution? Yeah, how? I don't, I don't know. He seems oh. to be the same afterwards. Oh. Well, he does now have the ability to withstand the Didact's attacks, so I guess there's that. But uh, other than that, there's no real gameplay relevant or visual change in him <laughs> at all. So, hey, you know, he's just, he's just his evolution is more evolved. He's, he's oh. a more evolved human. Even though he was already the pinnacle of human evolution. Which he does say that, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. It's so bad. It's so it's bad. It's so dumb. So yeah, after all of that, uh, Chief and Cortana try to convince Del Rio to make another go at the Didact because they learned that he's about to try to go off-world and become a threat to humanity. Mm. But he, once again, he tells the Chief, no way in hell. Like, Lasky and Palmer are both like, hey, maybe the chief knows what he's talking about. Maybe we should do this. But he's like, no, I can't do this. Absolutely not. But Cortana herself has had enough and angrily yells about their impending doom, revealing her rampancy in the process. So Del Rio immediately, like, recognizes and tries to have Cortana seized for disposal. The chief absolutely refuses. He's like, no, sir. Mm. And, like, in retaliation, he tries to have Palmer arrest him was like, oh, no, I can't take this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I really like Palmer. Oh, yeah. So, like, he just, like, angrily stomps off. And in the meantime, Lasky gives him, like, a dropship to go after the Didact and wishes him good luck as, like, the rest of the Infinity leaves for Earth. Chief is barely able to catch up with the Didact, who is now on board a Forerunner Dreadnought, and he has to go through slip space with him, and they end up arriving at Installation 03, the Delta Halo. And we find out that there's now a human outpost on it. This is because the composer was on that rink and the UNSC like successfully recovered it for study. Unfortunately for those researchers, though, the didact shows up and turns them all into ash in a really rad cutscene. Yeah. Like, like the chief like witnesses all them all being turned to ash and he's like, oh God. 
But of course, he survives because he's super evolved now. Right. And so the Didact gets the composer and takes off for Earth. Chief decides to get a nuke and go after him. So unfortunately, though, by the time he gets to Earth, he's too late, and the Didact has already begun ashing a city. Alex, I want you to guess what North American city he has decided that everyone needs to become ash. Okay, I already know, but I'm going to play along. Uh, New York. Oh, no, no. Uh, Los Angeles. No, Phoenix. (laughs) 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 Like, I get the wordplay, but my God. Right? (laughs) Haven't they suffered enough? Right? It was funny because, like, when I saw the cutscene and saw where I was aiming at, I'm like, that's kind of close to my hometown. <laughs> and it's like, well, it wasn't quite El Paso, but it was yeah. close enough. <laughs> just Fe- yeah, it's just Ash, Phoenix, Arizona. Screw them. Yeah. I like to think the Didact got there and they went, they built a city where? Gets Screw that. Gets 110 degrees every summer. That's stupid. <laughs> this oh. is the hubris of humanity for you. But yeah, the Ash Phoenix, I'm sorry, New Phoenix. And Chief has to, like, board the ship and, like, you know, put a stop to him. Fortunately, he's not able to, but with the help of the Infinity and their new captain, Thomas Lasky, (laughs) they managed to do so. So it turns out that uh, when Del Rio got back into UNSC space, it was like, yeah, no, Master Chief was there. No way I was going to follow his orders. They went... He's fucking Master Chief. Yes, you are. <laughs> We're stripping you. You command, you idiots. Because <laughs> they know what's up. Yeah. So he manages to get inside, and he encounters the Didact, who's now covered in a powerful shield. It looks impossible to penetrate, but Cortana gets the grand idea to use her rampancy for good. So when you come rampant, you start like developing personality shards, mm-hmm. and Cortana's able mm-hmm. to separate those out from her and make multiple Cortanas. And so doing this, she's able to overwhelm the shield and allow the chief to throw the Didact into the ship's like ash beam. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this doesn't stop anything. So Chief, with this nuke, decides to use his own two hands to detonate it. This somehow doesn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> because Cortana, using the composer, takes Chief into the data world and also makes herself human-sized? Yeah, Sure. She tells him that she's going to use the last of her energy to get him to safety, which Chief is not on board with. He's like, I'm supposed to protect you. And Cortana's like, yeah, that was my job too, and that's what I'm going to do. And she forms herself into a solid form just long enough so she can do the one thing she always wanted to do, actually physically touch him. She then transform, transports him into uh, space. Yeah, Where the Infinity picks him up. So on board, Lasky tells him that he doesn't know what he's going through, even though he's lost friends himself and like, tries to comfort him as best he can. But Chief just coldly responds that it's a shol- soldier's duty to protect humanity, no matter what the cost. Lasky actually seems to take like a little bit of offense to this and tells uh-huh. Chief, hey, you say that like humanity and soldiers are two different things, but right. we aren't. Soldiers aren't machines. They're just people. He's like, I'll, I'll let you have the, have the bridge. And he kind of like walks off. And then Chief reminisces about how Cortana said something similar once. And then the game ends. And that's Halo 4. So, good things from Halo 4. I do Mm -hmm. like what they did with Cortana and Chief's relationship. I think it actually works pretty well. I agree. And I think that ending 
is mm-hmm. actually really strong in that regard. It is, yeah. Yeah, it totally, totally is. And I, I like Lasky, kind of like mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. Everything else about that, ain't great. It ain't great. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's, mm. Mm-hmm. And it's just so unnecessary. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't change anything. It's just a stupid backstory to everything that's already happened in spite of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's not relevant to anything other than we needed a new villain. Yep. Yep. A Who we that... killed immediately. Yeah. And, like, it also makes it a kind of a problem because it's a trilogy of games, and now they've immediately kind of cut it off there. Like, I guess right. you could be like, well, now we got to go find Cortana, but... That would be stupid. Who would do that? It would be stupid. And as Halo 5 is going to show us, Oh, maybe they shouldn't have gone and found Cortana. Maybe. Maybe they shouldn't. Oh, boy. Halo 5 Guardians, the Halo game that nobody really likes. Yeah. Before we move on to Halo 5, were you going to touch on uh, Spartan stories at all? I was not, no. Okay. I'm just going to I'm going to go through this real brief. All right, hit it. Spart- Spartan stories is the episodic co-op multiplayer of Halo 4. Uh, the gameplay basically amounts to a combination of horde mode and, like, mini objectives on what is basically, like, I can't remember if it's original maps or if it's, like, sort of the reworked multiplayer maps or reworked campaign maps. Yeah. Um, but it's basically just designed to be, like, you and, I want to say, up to three other players uh, load in and then you need to get here and kill everyone or hold this position or, you know, do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not involve Master Chief at all. Master yeah. Chief, I believe it. it is a, it takes place like sometime after the events of the campaign, but Master Chief is still in like recovery. He's still not yeah. off active duty. It's basically about other Spartans at this point. Yeah. So it is a group of Spartan force uh, led by Palmer and Mm -hmm. under the command of Lasky. So they're stationed aboard the Infinity and they are going off and doing stuff. And it does not involve Master Chief. And despite that, it should have been the actual primary plot of Halo 4. Mm -hmm. Because it's better. And it is more interesting, and it is actually, like, something that Halo fans want to hear about, which is basically, hey, what's going on after the end of Halo 3? Hmm. And it, it, it follows them investigating this new religious splinter cell, trying to reform the Covenant, and the... The, the conflicts that they get into with that group. And also they bring Halsey along because the the Covenant is going after some Forerunner artifact and they need to know what's up with it. So they need Halsey to investigate it because of her expertise in the Forerunner. And in mm-hmm. the end, Halsey betrays them and joins up with this Covenant group so that she can continue her research mm-hmm. because she is a completely amoral nutbag mm-hmm. and yes. will side with anyone in the pursuit of knowledge. Yep, yep. And it's Spartan Stories kind of rules. Spartan Stories is kind of actually, it's basically Halo Modern, or uh, yeah, it's basically Halo Modern Warfare. Hmm. It is like a Call of Duty story in the Halo universe. Hmm. And it's kind of really appropriate because it fleshes out what's actually going on. Like, I don't remember if Halo 4 even explains who these Covenant are. 
They like don't. Master Chief just says, I thought we beat the Covenant and Cortana offers some quip about, oh, the old enemies of to, of yesterday, something, 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 something. Or maybe it's the other way around. But they're like, oh, yeah, just the Covenant are back. Yeah, pretty much. And you're it, like, who? What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're back because it was fun to fight the Covenant and be shamed to get rid of all that. Yeah, because all we have are the freaking Prometheans and fighting them sucks. Mm-hmm. So we can't cut over to them hard, say hardcore. So yeah, Spartan yeah. Stories is a better Halo Four. It it kind of is, and uh, actually going to probably have a well other than yeah. the Cortana disappearing part, a little bit more relevance to Halo Five, at least yeah. the start of it. Yeah, Spartan Stories actually sets up the plot of Halo Five. It actually does. It actually fills in a question that I was good. I actually have written in here, but uh, <laughs> well. Uh, it will be answered, and that's great. I'm happy for that. Thank you for including that. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of Halo 5, let's talk about that. Let's do that. So Halo 5 opens with Captain Lasky instructing a Spartan 4 fire team called Fireteam Osiris, led by Jameson Locke, and also containing a character from Halo ODST, the Nathan Fillion-voiced Edward Malcolm Buck. Do you want to know why his middle name is called Malcolm? Because Nathan Fillion's character from Fireflies <laughs> named Malcolm. <laughs> he also literally just plays every Nathan Fillion character ever, which is kind of yeah. a jackass, but fun. Yep, pretty much. So they're instructed that the Prometheans have devastated five separate planets alongside their Covenant allies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just have to rem- I just... I really am glad that you told that anecdote about Martin O'Donnell coming back from Serenity because mm-hmm. it makes it now makes sense. Why yes. why ODST features three characters voiced by actors from Firefly, one yeah. of which is Nathan Fillion with the middle name Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> kinda kinda <laughs> funny how that works, huh? <laughs> kind of freaking funny. <laughs> oh, oh good old Firefly. It's it's its impact reverberates all throughout sci-fi in the dumbest ways possible. The dumbest of ways. <laughs> it's great. It is. So, yeah. They've been instructed that the Prometheans have devastated five separate planets alongside their Covenant allies. Although now they've turned on each other and are... And because of that, they're given the task of rescuing Dr. Halsey, who is trapped on one of these planets. So they land on the surface in an admittedly very dynamic-looking cutscene. Mm-hmm. And they infiltrate a Covenant base, kill their leader, Jewel Madama, and rescue Dr. Halsey... Who has seemingly lost an arm in the meantime? Oh yeah, that also happened in Spartan Stories. Ah, okay. I was wondering that, that happened came from. in her whole betrayal sequence. Ah, makes sense. And after which she was like, "I can't believe they cut off my arm, those bastards." <laughs> and it's like, lady, you just betrayed your own species for a research grant. Yeah, like you're you're kind of getting off pretty light here. So they take her back to the Infinity, not as a prisoner. Where Halsey meets up with Lasky. Why? Just kill her. She's <laughs> insane. She really is. And she angrily tells him, it's been three weeks, and how far has she gone? And who's she? I, you don't win a prize if you guess. So we then cut to Master Chief, who's still clearly hurting over the loss of Cortana. Like he's like palming the back of his helmet where her control ship would go and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But now he's in charge of a team of four Spartan 2s, including himself. 
These members include some of his, and admittedly, this is from the wiki. I don't think it's actually mentioned in the game. But mm. they say his best friends, such as Linda058 and Frederick104. And you know they're such good friends, given that this is the first time we've ever heard of them. Right. Like, it's, it's been five games. You, you can't say that. <laughs> okay, so Linda definitely did appear all the way back in Fall of Reach and has yeah. been a character in the books about Master Chief since then. Yeah, I recognize that one. Uh, Frederick, I can't remember if he was one of the other ones. Hmm. He might. I wouldn't be shocked been. if he was. Yeah. So, after finishing up a mission in an asteroid field, Chief gets a vision of Cortano as she activates a giant winged machine before saying, Meridian is next, and the reclamation is about to begin. He's obviously disturbed by all this, and after the mission is over, instead of going back, decides to go to the colony Meridian instead. When he tells the UNSC this, he learns that another team is already on their way to deal with Cortana. So Cortana is just straight up back, I guess. Okay. They just, they just found her. Okay. Off screen. And obviously wanting answers, disobeys orders and goes anyway, taking his team with him. This freaks out Dr. Halsey, who comments that Cortana has access to the domain, a galaxy-wide network of information that the Forerunners possessed, making her a threat for some reason, and that John can't get anywhere near her. Zero things about that sentence make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Forerunners had a galaxy-wide network of information. Sure, that makes sense. They were Forerunners. It's still active? Yeah, apparently. Still going? Okay, Cortana got access to it. Yep. And if Master Chief gets access to it, that would be bad? Or at least if Master Chief gets in contact with Cortana, it would be bad. Okay, and also anyone is still listening to Halsey. Yes, everyone is listening to Halsey very intently. Why? <laughs> well, you know, she knows Forerunner stuff. I guess she does. I guess she does. <laughs> that one-armed walking war crime. Jesus Christ. So Fireteam Osiris now has a new mission, which is to track down Master Chief and bring him back in. And what follows is a goose chase where Osiris is constantly one step behind Master Chief. And like mm. during their travels, they start to discover like large forerunner machines called Guardians, as well as meet the Warden, a forerunner AI who claims to serve Cortana. And like there's like numerous fights between like both Chief and Osiris against this uh, character. Right. Like later, we see Master Chief land on a forerunner world where all the Guardians are being called to. Like the Guardians will wake up, go through slip space, and end up on this planet. And uh, having been called there himself by Cortana, he ends up running into the Warden as well, who ends up fighting the Chief, as previously mentioned, after he claims to be there to take Cortana home. The fight ends when Cortana contacts the both of them, and she is super excited to hear from Chief again. Okay. And she explains that she ended up in slip space after the end of Halo 4 and ended up on Genesis, the forerunner planet they're all on, and from there entered the Domain. Entering the domain was great, because not only does it contain all this information, it instantly cured her of her rampancy, which is nice. Okay. And also during all this, the entire first, like, four games or so, she would always call Master Chief Chief or Master Chief. Mm -hmm. During all this, she's calling him John. Mm. And, like, seems it already seems a little off. Right. So as he travels to her... She tells him that the domain means the AI can be essentially immortal, allowing for long-term planning and allow them to solve all sorts of problems like poverty and illness and whatnot. 
And she's like, hey, I kind of want a little bit more information about this. And she's like, hey, don't worry. When we meet face-to-face, I'll let you know. She's like, wait, face-to-face. <laughs> right. We'll touch on that in a sec. Okay. So, meanwhile, Fireteam Osiris, like, they're like, the only way we could find a chief is we find a guardian. And they're like, basically piggyback on it to wherever they're going. Mm-hmm. So they find out that there's one on Sangielos, the elite's homeworld. Sanghelios, I think. Thank the you. only reason <laughs> I know that is because of Killer Instinct. Oh, and yeah. In which the Arbiter is a character and he has an amazing theme song called uh, Champion of Sanghelios, I believe. Ah, I see. Thank you for that correction. So good. It sounds like it is. I'm going to have to listen to that later. So, unfortunately, the Elite's homeworld is in the midst of a civil war, with the Arbiter on one side and the Covenant Remnants on another. So, after successfully extracting the Arbiter, who, after a tense back and forth with Spartan Locke, who uh, was kind of sent to kill him a long time ago, oh, yeah, he agrees to help them get to the Guardian and their last shot at finding Chief and Cortana. So he helps them fight through the Covenant forces, but it ends up being too late. Cortana is taking control of the Guardian and starts wrecking everything. And both the Elite and Covenant forces end up like kind of falling to it. The Guardian is about to go into slip space when Spartan Palmer, with Dr. Hasley in tow for some reason, like picks up Osiris in a dropship and drops him off on the Guardian just as it goes through slip space. Like Halsey's there for like no reason. It's really weird. Okay, yeah, sure. So Locke and team are now on Genesis and they immediately run into a forerunner construct named Exuberant Witness, which is basically just like Guilty Spark, essentially. Right. Who tells him that, hey, you, you need to stop Cortana. She's she's going to assume the mantle of responsibility, which is a philosophy, I should say. It's a philosophy the Forerunners have about, like, ruling the universe, essentially. Okay. And uh, if she does that, she's going to use the Guardians to force a peace on the galaxy and basically kill anybody who stands in her way. So uh, you better stop her. I think you should. Also, mm-hmm. here's a tank. <laughs> Literally just gives him a tank. It's great. All right. Yeah, sure. So Osiris meets up with Chief's team once again, and Locke tells Chief straight up, hey, we're here to stop Cortana. She's crazy. And the Chief's like, yeah, no, I'm kind of with you on that. She does need to be stopped. And he's like, well, how are you going to do that? It's like, I'll talk to her. She'll understand. But before more can be explained, Cortana warps Chief into the domain. Now, this upsets the Warden who tries to immediately kill Master Chief, but Cortana's like having none of that and simply just deletes the Warden from existence. Oh, okay. So Chief plainly ask why Cortana brought the Guardians to her. And she responds, it's to keep troublesome plants in line. And if no one causes trouble, there'll be no need for discipline. And she's like, hmm, that don't sound good to me. Cortana then says, it's good to see you, John, the Spartans, together as a family with me. And Chief is like, he's not having any of it. Like, he immediately knows, like, hey, you're using clear psychological tactics, like playing nice and calling me my name what's actually up right and like he just straight up asked her directly hey how many people have died when you summoned the guardians and she's like taken aback by this but he's like i, I already know you know the exact number so uh, why don't you tell me how many and she doesn't respond to this mm. so chief just continues pressing on and eventually reaches cortana who turns out has a sexy new physical body actually it's less sexy uh they actually toned down her design quite considerably okay. <laughs> i wonder if they got some pushback about that maybe I wonder if they did. So Cortana once again tries to convince him that an AI empire with her at the head and total organic subjugation is actually a good thing. But once again, Chief dryly calls her out. Thinks like, hey, you're giving nobody any choice. People are going to rebel against that. 
And he points out in a actually legitimately interesting line that it's like that's kind of like the same choice Dr. Halsey gave to me in regards to becoming a Spartan. Right. And Cortana's like, I am nothing like her. She is an evil person, which fair. Yeah, true. And she's like, if you're not going to listen to me, she then imprisons Chief and her team. And she's like, I will come and get you when my work is done. Goodbye, John. And it walks off and traps him in an orb. So we cut to Locke and fire team Osiris as they see all the guardians go into slip space. And then Cortana is just straight up like contact Locke to gloat. She's like, huh, look at y'all, Spartan Force. Y'all suck. Y'all the worst. <laughs> it's like she reads off all their psych profiles. It's like, man, Locke, you're like the oldest one here, but you're being bossed around. How do you feel about that? Mm? <laughs> yeah, that kind of sucks. You're lame. And she like just basically keeps like going on about how you're all about to get you all about to die horribly. Spartan fours are kind of lame, to be fair. And they are kind of lame. Yeah. So she claims that, hey, listen, I'm doing is to protect everybody. And hey, you know, like if you keep fighting back, you know, things are going to get bad for you. Like Locke counters that like the Guardians are a threat of death. And he's like, Galaxy's not going to like that. And Cortana counters that her entire life was lived under such a threat. He becomes under, if her and other created got out of line, they would just be deleted. Mm. And she's going to make sure that never happens again. And then all of a sudden Locke's voice comm is filled with messages of all the other AIs in the UNSC all pledging allegiance to Cortana. Given that every warship in the UNSC has an AI, that means that humanity's defenses are now completely disabled. Mm. Oops. She then basically starts taunting Osiris the, enti- the entire time they were making the way to Master Chief and also claims that Dr. Halsey is going to pay for her crimes, which, hey, not f- for that one. Yeah, that's fair. So Cortana's about to leave with Master Chief when Exuberant Witness, with help from Osiris, manages to gain control of uh, the Forerunner planet again. Because she was supposed to have entire control that Cortana shows up and takes control of it. Right. And she was been super upset about this. It's like, when she gets control, she's like, ah, I have control! Ah! <laughs> but unfortunately, all she's able to do is steal Chief's holding cell back from her just as Cortana enters the space. So Chief, like, emerges from it and they're like, well, that's kind of bad. We're going to have to do something about this. But they all figure out a plan. It turns out, well, they don't quite figure out a plan quite yet, but they decide that they need to go and pursue her. Right. Uh, I was about to conflate something with Halo Wars with this. Mm. And I want to keep my, I want to keep my dumb lore straight. <laughs> so we cut to a final scene of basically all the UNSC ships being disabled. The only one not being disabled is the Infinity, because their AI, Roland, is still with humanity. Now, Cortana Why? does... Eh, he just is. All right. So, Cortana manages to find that ship. She's like, I found you, Infinity. And she, like, warps a Guardian right directly out of his position. Mm. And so, Lasky's like, hey, just do random jumps. Just keep jumping <laughs> randomly. And, like, roll, like, the AI, Roland's like, what, are we going to just do that until... Like, just run away forever? He's like, no, we're going to do that until we can figure out a way to fight. Right. So they do that. And the game ends with a new uh, image of a new Halo ring as Cortana just hums to herself. And that's the end of Halo 5. Wait, that's the end of Halo 5? Mm-hmm. That's worse than Halo 2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like the second part of the trilogy, you know. They're going to now Halo 6. They're going to go back and finish the fight again. 
And so, yeah, now everything is set up for Halo 6 as we'll find out how exactly the Chief is going to stop Cortana. And uh, I'm sorry, there's somebody next to me. Oh, it looks like, oh, they're a very, very tired looking 343 developer. And they're handing me a little message here. Uh, you have to talk about Halo Wars now. Oh, I wonder what they mean by that. All right, let's, let's kind of scroll over and look over at Halo Wars. Oh, God. Oh, no. <sighs> So th this was my thought, because I was following along with that for a second. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess that story will just get wrapped up in Halo in Halo Infinite. And I was like, Halo Infinite takes place like five years later. Yeah. And, and is primarily... about the Banished. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. Which are uh, the Banished, as we're about to get into, are uh, not AI. No. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know what's going to be up with that. If they're literally going to just ignore what happens in Halo 5, I bet you probably not. They're going to probably incorporate in some way, but uh, it seems like they're going in a very different direction. But to explain that, I guess we got to explain Halo Wars real quick. All right. Yeah, let's talk about Halo Wars. So we're going to keep Halo Wars short and talk about Halo Wars 2 a little bit more in depth, but still mm -hmm. keep that short too. Uh because I am needlessly disgusted. We have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, in short, Halo Wars is a series of real-time strategy games that are interesting, if only because one of the original ideas for Halo was to be an RTS. Mm -hmm. So, the first game takes place during the Human Covenant War, follows the crew of the Spirit of Fire as they fight the Covenant on a Forerunner Shield world. A fight they win by literally making the star go supernova and destroying everything. Neat. Yeah. Then they get lost in space and decide to go into cryosleep. Halo Wars 2 takes place the following year after Halo 5. I don't know if it's a full year, but it's just the following year. Okay. And has the crew of the Spirit of Fire being awoken. Because it turns out they've drifted towards the Ark, still relatively intact after all these years, and now with a human research station. Upon seeing the station, however, they find everyone is dead. And the AI there tells them they need to leave. Because it turns out there's a new deep, like, there's, there's like a new uh, faction out there called. Uh, the Banished, led by a brute warlord named Atriox. Now, they're made up of ex-Covenant forces, and they've been incredibly successful in far as, like, recruiting new members and are now a sizable threat and could even take out the UNSC if they wanted. So the Spirit of Fire decides to um, take out the command structure and wage a guerrilla war to slow them down and weaken them. Mm -hmm. However, it becomes clear that the Spirit of Fire is ultimately no match for an entire army. So the crew comes up with a new idea. The Ark has managed to create a new Halo rink ready for transport. They figure they can use that rink to go through Swift Space and travel back to the UNSC and warn them about what's coming. Wait, wait okay, I'm sorry, hang on. I, I, I got distracted a couple things back. Wasn't the baby Halo exploding supposed to destroy the Ark? Yes, it was. Okay, but the Ark is still making new Halos. Yeah, it turns out it's fine. Okay, and they're going to use the Halo to go through slip space? Yeah, because they're so far away that it would take forever, even with current technology, to get back and warn the UNSC. Okay, but Halos have better slip space. Yeah, because foreign stuff. Right, okay. Yeah. So they have the crew boards the ring and uses that to leave, and the other half have a big dumb fight with Aatrox's fleet and just kind of hang out to try to delay him as much as they possibly can. 
However, when the ring exits slip space, they end up running into a guardian, and that's when the game ends. So I think it's still going to incorporate things from Halo 5. Which I don't think I've ever explained guardians. Guardians are basically giant robots. Right. Giant winged robots. Didn't Halo Wars 2 come out before Halo 5? Let's uh, find out together. No, it came out two years after, after okay. Halo 5. So, the... Okay, I see. So the interesting thing is I didn't actually even realize it when Halo Wars 2 came out. I think a lot of people didn't, really. It it failed to even be noticed by me. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, and uh, its main antagonists in that game are going to be the main antagonist in Halo Infinite. Right. A game that starts out with Master Chief crashing onto a Halo ring. Which one? Is it the new one that the Ark made? Is the one that Cortana was look like humming about? Don't know. Could be don't, either war. Don't know. But either way, they are going to be fighting the brute, brute Covenant forces known as the Banished. And I don't know. Maybe some other things will happen. By the time this podcast comes out, we will know what the plot is. But unfortunately, that's going to do it for us here. And we're going to have to leave off Halo for now so Alex how do you feel how, how, how you feeling about I about uh, Cortana and I can't deal with Halo anymore I, I can't I can't it's just it's so I, I, I love the games that Bungie made primarily because they're fun to play mm-hmm. um, oh yeah they, Bungie makes a good feeling shooter they sure do and the story that they made for the first game is it, it was a 2001 shooter mm. like it didn't need much of a story and they didn't make that much of a story they made in honestly they made more than they needed but it it functioned mm. but as they moved into the 6th generation the, the Xbox era yeah is when Video game stories started being like, what if we were real stories? And Mm -hmm. Microsoft started being like, boy, that extended universe multimedia project stuff sure is awesome. We should do some of that. And the, the combination of those two things just created an increasingly unhinged mess of nonsense. Mm. That by the time someone else was forced to take over it, was just unsalvageable and at this point is nonsense Mm -hmm. and i don't care anymore i don't care about the plot of halo it's just so far gone and so dumb yeah i i just don't i just don't know where exactly like what good point they can like pull it back and like it seems like, with the way they're setting up the end of, like, Halo Wars 2 and what's going into Halo Infinity for what we know, it's like, it, it does, or Halo Infinite, I should say. Mm-hmm. It, it does seem like they're trying to pull back, but I, I don't know if it's really possible anymore. Yeah, I mean, you sort of, you can't just set up Cortana as the galaxy-ruling evil AI overlord and then just be like, uh, you know what, what if you just fought some monkeys? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be neat. They're really strong monkeys. They could destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And you're like... E- sure, I guess. Even the entire elite 
fleet? Yeah, because they were busy fighting the Covenant. You know, those guys that you beat three games ago, but not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're still hanging around, it turns out. And it's yeah. like, it, it is this combination of a need to keep classic gameplay, but define a new story. But mm-hmm. also keep the old story, because that's the thing that people like. Yeah. Yeah, like they... I, I'm, I mentioned Spartan Stories is the better Halo 4, and mm-hmm. that is not – that is in part because Master Chief isn't part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I could totally see that. Like you have, this, you have this universe and you have so many different ways to go that – and they do something that a lot of media properties do. Like Star Wars is mm-hmm. really bad about this where they're yeah. like, well, what about the old stuff? Yeah. And it's like, it's, unnecess- yeah, like, it's like you mentioned. It's, it's unnecessary and it just hampers the product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... Everything I've heard so far about the single-player campaign in Halo Infinite is that apparently it's it's really darn good, and I'm hopeful. I, yeah. It's, and it'll be free on Game Pass, so I'm going to be playing it regardless. All right. I, I am side-eyeing it because it looks like it could be fun, mm-hmm. which is... Which is the... F- First time I can say that about a 343 Halo game, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully it'll end up being good, and, you know, maybe there'll be an update to this podcast where we talk about the awesome story about Halo Infinite. But that will be for another time, if that ever even happens. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us today for, for this trip down the Halo memory lane as we try to just untangle the absolute mess that is the halo franchise if you want to hear the first part of this or hear any other episodes of falling through plot holes you should go to ftp.podbean.com or search ftp or falling through plot holes on your podcast service of choice but yeah that's going to do it with us alex thank you so much for joining us as always thank you and take care everybody take care